Hello and welcome. My name's Karen O'Connor and you're listening to the amazing Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I'm here today and I'm really excited and I've got to get a couple of things out of my space. Well, one thing out of my space. I'm here talking to Paul Sterling. Paul is a relationship expert and he worked with Tony Robbins for a long time. And I've got to say, he scares me to death because he sees through everything and I can't hide anything. So I'm coming in here and I'm going to get that out of my space right now so that Paul is fully aware that I'm going, oh, my God. (laughs) So I just wanted to say that. Thanks so much for being on. It's really it's a real pleasure to have you here, she says nervously. I totally understand that. You know, I can remember introducing Tony and actually the first time Tony Robbins introduced me on stage and I knew my world had changed. And then he's sitting back on the, before we both go up, he's sitting back on the back um, bench with me talking to me and my brain is just going like, my world has changed. This is my hero. And uh, (laughs) so I totally understand that. And I love what you're doing and I love talking about relationships and communication and to make you feel maybe a little better is I once heard this quote that every master started out as a disaster. And before I wrote my best-selling book, argue less, love more. Basically the book is, is sort of my diary of the mistakes I've made in the world of communication I went through one divorce, four broken engagements, and I, yes, I made it, I like that look. For those viewers who can't see the look, it was a look of shock and awe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, like, I'm the crash dummy for relationships. And and the thing is, though, I learned along the way, I had such amazing mentors. And for part of my earlier career, I actually was hired to travel around the world as a business consultant and a different way of saying that because business consultant, people don't really always get an idea of it, a good idea, but what it is, is a professional problem solver and companies and governments rarely like hiring somebody from the outside to come in and look in their closet and give them advice. So, it was normally they were desperate by the time they called me. And it's interesting. I started to think about businesses as systems and I thought of relationships as systems and started to look at it that way. And when that happened, it totally transformed the way I look at businesses and the way I look at relationships. So you're going to get today some information from someone who's like a professional problem solver and a system thinker. So there's diagrams and charts and flow charts and the whole thing, because we used to say, when in doubt, flow it out. If you can't flow it, you don't know it. And so it's like flow charting relationships. So the last thing I'll say, I hand it back to you, is I was in New York City a couple of years ago, and the subways, there's... I'm trying to remember 472, no, I think it's 800 miles of track, 400 different stations and 27 lines. It is overwhelming. But what makes it doable is there's a map. And if you look at it, anybody who's been in a relationship more than a week knows that it can be one of the most challenging things that they ever go through. And they were never given a map. 
So I spent the last almost 27 years creating the map. So I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad you're bringing this out to your people and dive in with your questions and I'll screen share and show you what I've got too. So the reason I reached out to you in the first place is because when you get to midlife, whether you've got kids or not, everything changes. You've got to a certain point in your life. If you've got kids like I have and they leave home, I've been, as a mother, give it my role as being to bring up the kids and look after the kids. And then all of a sudden they're not there and I've got to find a new role. And then my relationship with my husband can take more of a centre stage than it might have done when the kids are around. But then you've got to create a new relationship because you've gone from that early stage pre-kids where it's all lovey-dovey and everything's rosy and then you have kids and it changes and I'm very lucky with the husband I've got because he just he's very adaptable he just goes with the flow he's great and then the kids leave it's like oh I'm gonna spend more time with you again (laughs) what do we talk about what do we have in common anymore what do we want to create from here on in and that's I saw some of your stuff and went, oh, yeah, I'm, I need to talk to him because he'd be perfect to talk about this kind of thing because I'm not the only person going through this, I am sure. There's a lot of other people. Yeah, and there are some key things that make relationships work, and one of them is communication, and we're communicating. It's like it's almost if you thought about it, I'll give a sports analogy. If you got really good at playing baseball and that was like – that was your role. You knew your position. You knew the rules, the roles, the responsibilities, who was doing what. And then the next day it's football and you're showing up and you're going like, wait a second, this is confusing. I don't know the rules. We have to recreate it. And I'm lost. And I used to be somebody's hero. I was mom. I had my role, my purpose. I was, it was clear. And now I'm having to recreate everything. And I don't know what to do about it. So we're going to dive in and look at some of the things that I I can help with. I can help with the area of communication and knowing that you're the only reason to be in a relationship. So this is an overstatement, you know, and I rarely make absolutes, but I'm going to make an absolute from studying with Tony and, and another guy that I studied a lot with a guy named Marshall Rosenberg, the creator of nonviolent communication. But the reason we're in relationships is to get our needs met. And when we stop getting our needs met, the relationship's over. Now, sometimes it takes years before they actually get a divorce, but the relationship ended a long time ago. It's like the walking dead that haven't been buried yet. Now, the thing that happens in that you're describing is the needs may not change, but the focus changes. So what your priorities are totally change. And it's for a lot of women that are in their 50s, 60s, maybe even 70s, it was like, it's me time. And sometimes they're like going, wait a second. I thought I was going to get, I thought it was going to be earlier. I thought I was going to be a bigger reward. There's going to be like a, a band and a special appreciation. And it's sort of like, no, kids left the house and now it's kind of lonely here. And what the hell do I do next? Yeah, there's no golden watch, is there? <laughs> no watch, there's no celebration. It's like, damn. And so what I want you to do is be able to look at 
what precious needs you're trying to get met. Because that's the only reason we ever do anything is to try to get a precious need met. And to have this conversation with your partner about the need. So part of what I want to do, maybe I'll jump in and show the map. And then we can go and take it further in detail. And I'll have to describe it because I know that some of the people are only um, listening and they're not getting to see the visuals. But for those who see the visuals. Yes, and if maybe, you're listening, go to YouTube and then you can watch the visuals. And there's a link on the web page that will take you straight to the YouTube video as well. Perfect. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe what it takes to create a remarkable relationship. And I'm going to start from the center out. So for people who are just listening, it's a Venn diagram, three circles. These are the three things that make relationships work or destroy them. So in the center, people want long lasting love and to have lasting love, to have love, you need somebody that's available, capable, and willing. And the interesting thing that's very different about the way I look at it than most people, well, not most people, but a lot of people that have been educated to think of happily ever after. Like you find the right person, you get married, you have the kids, or you do whatever, and then you live happily ever after. So the journey ends when you get together. And you, Karen, know that that's not it. <laughs> like the journey begins and then it's another journey and it's another journey. And so this group of people that you're dealing with is on another journey. If they're, if they're now empty nesters and they're trying a whole new journey. And so are you available capable and willing to do that so are you physically emotionally mentally available to each other again because we get stuck in patterns and people go unconscious they run on autopilot i mean have you ever driven you get up you you go drive and you think you're going to drive to work and you realize oh i've driven somewhere else i drove to the grocery store you drive unconsciously and so it's like how to bring consciousness back in. Then capability. There are seven core relationship skills and communication is one of them. And hold on, my puppies are communicating. I'm going to close the door and they're going to stay out. As soon as I get on a podcast, they want to come in the office. It's like they know. Of course they do. You could have shown them to me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they were here a second ago. So capability, it's like, if you think about it, you wouldn't hire somebody without a resume. And yet the most important relationship of life, we don't get their resume. In fact, a lot of times when people get in a new relationship, they talk about how miserable their last boss was and how they got fired from the job. So they basically are showing up saying, I wasn't capable and got fired. So capability, learn the skills. Then willingness, are you willing? Are you willing to be courageous, to be vulnerable, to be compassionate? And it takes a lot of courage to change the relationship. You're totally changing the relationship from role as mom to role as 
partner again, to role as your businesswoman, to role as, you know, whatever the, the new roles are. And it takes a lot of courage and a lot of vulnerability and compassion to go through that. So that's that inner core right there, those three things. And I'm going to give the big picture here of the outer three. So there's three outer circles, the Venn diagram. And if you understand these, it will help you. It won't do the work for you. It's like reading a book on a diet. You don't get to read the book and then all of a sudden lose weight. You actually have to implement what I'm talking about. But the book helps it make sense. So the three parts that, that I talk about is the heart set. That's why you're in a relationship is to get your precious needs met. So there's the heart set, the skill set, and the mindset. The heart set, and you talked about your husband already, and I'm, I'm guessing from our conversations that you're, you and your husband are friends, partners, lovers. And the thing is, there's precious needs for all three of those. There are things that you could you could tell your partner or your husband, go do that. Go take a month off. Go travel around the world. That's a good idea, I, I think, as my friend. But as my partner and my lover, I don't think it's a good idea at all for you to be gone for a month. <laughs> that... I've done that. I've actually done exactly that. And he's gone away for six weeks and then really gotten grumpy with him because he left me alone with the four kids for six weeks. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So I I nailed it. Didn't even know that that happens in those things. And so we're, what we're trying to do is look at how prepared are we in, in this particular group, I call it the LOL and it's not laughing out loud. It's the language of love. And the language of love is the language of feelings, needs, and requests. And what happens is when a relationship is in good shape, our needs feel precious to our partner and our partner's needs feel precious to us. And when our relationship's in bad shape, our needs feel like a burden. And they can feel like a burden to us. If I only didn't have these needs, I have needs shame. And we're taught, you know, don't be needy. Needy is an insult. And yet, it's the key to making relationships work. So what you want to do is, so this is to the listeners, sit down with your partner and go, honey, let's review. Let's look at our lives. And what needs do we have as friends? What needs do we have as partners? Because if you're living together, if you're married, if there's a long-term commitment, You're running the life, the business of life, paying bills, renting, feeding, housing, all of that. That's like a business of life and your partner's in it. So who's doing what? And are you happy with your roles or have have your roles become more habitual and you're not happy? You know, like, why am I doing the dishes? Why am I cooking? Why am I doing the laundry? You know? It's it's not my role. Let's renegotiate. I was just going to say that. It's a renegotiation, isn't it? Because we did that when we, about 12, 18 months ago, we just, we had to sit down and renegotiate things. And I can't say that I was 
I dealt with it well. I basically got very resentful for a few months till he noticed and we went out for a meal and sat down and said, okay, what's the matter? I didn't, I wasn't particularly upfront with it, but it did work. It was, I just got my issues off my chest rather than holding them in and building up the resentment and, you know, I'm happy to do stuff. Well, you're not taught to, you're taught to be quiet, keep other, you know, get everybody else's needs met, do this. And you end up with the resistant, the three R's, resistance, resentment, regret. (laughs) Yes, that's it. Yeah, nailed it. And and what you want is you, you want connection and cooperation and compassion. So you want the three C's. And to do that, though, you need to have communication. That's one of the capabilities. And the problem is if we have some, and we're going to get into it in a minute, but if we have beliefs that that you shouldn't talk about your needs because that makes you needy. So you're caught in a trap. You have these precious needs and you can't talk about them. And then you hope that your partner, and luckily it sounds like he does, reads your mind and takes a wild guess and goes, honey, what's going on? Yep. And so, it's interesting you say that because I've just realized when I was feeling particularly bad, my I felt my needs were a burden. Exactly. And and we feel ashamed of even having them. Like if yeah. I was a better man or a better woman, I wouldn't have these needs. Because look mm-hmm. at Hollywood or wherever, you know, look, they don't have needs. Like we all have needs. I have needs for water and air. And and what you want to do is you want to make friends with your needs and and with your partner's needs. And the best thing, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, a lot of what I teach sounds counterintuitive, at least in the beginning. The best thing that you can do for your relationship is make sure that your needs are met at a high level on a regular basis. Because then you're going to want to give to your partner out of generosity and not out of desperation. So, any questions on the language of love or that first circle there, the needs, friends, partners, lover needs? That's the reason to be in a relationship. And and it's really important that you're able to, and it's the three ends, notice, name, and negotiate your needs, to have a have a vocabulary of needs and there's 10 core needs. There's a bunch more. So these are like the training wheels. Six of them I learned from Tony. I added another four from what I did with the work I learned from Marshall Rosenberg and other people, but it's good to sit down with your partner and figure out which of these top 10 are their top three. So like if you understand somebody's three top needs, you understand basically how their brain works, how they make decisions. And it could be very different than how you make decisions. Normally, the upsets and conflicts that we have in a, in a relationship is we look at the world through our filter and through our needs, which ones are our priority. And I would never do that because, well, I'll give you an example. Two contrary needs that come up and collide a need for certainty and a need for variety. Now, if variety is your number one need, then you're not going to be worried about the house payment or something. You're going to be on, want to go take an adventure. And if certainty is number one, it's like, let's pay the house. Let's do this. Let's do that. 
yes, I need adventure, but that's only after this. So it's like understanding what your priorities are based on your needs will help you transform the way you look at your decisions. Is that all making sense, Karen? Yeah, it makes complete sense. The big one for us is around the timing of things. I've got four kids. I had to be organized. I had to be in certain places at certain times all day, every day. My husband's a last minute kind of thing. He won't do anything till his pants are on fire, which would drive me absolutely insane because I needed to know what was happening when. And then he'd throw all my things out the window, all my plans out the window by going, right, we're going to do this. And I'd be in complete resistance to it. No, we're not. (laughs) It's not in the schedule. (laughs) And right there, the difference in need for variety and the need for certainty and the need for certainty was driven partly from you being a mom and responsible for four other kids or four kids and yourself. So it makes sense. And that's the thing is like, everybody's decision makes sense based on their criteria. So I'm going to bounce over right now. So needs and the the heart set was first skill set. Number two. Now there's tons of different skills that you teach people that a lot of people teach people. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you the exact skills you should have. (laughs) Although I will give a hint in a second that there are seven core ones that I think really help no matter what relationship type you go with, whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, whether you're just dating, whatever it is, these are some important skill sets that people need. Number one, skills need to help clear up the past, because if you don't clear up the past, you're not available. You see how these things fit together. The more stuck somebody is in the past, the less available they are for their present. And what happens is then there's no possibilities for the future. You know, sometimes people say men can't commit or somebody won't commit. Well, part of the reason they're not committing is the past hasn't been cleared up yet. And so it's no fun to be in the present. And if it felt like fun to be in the present, then what would happen if people go, yeah, I want more of that. I want more possibilities for the future. Let's do that. So the whole idea of skills is to get a set of skills that take you from feeling unprepared to feeling well-equipped. That making sense? Yep. So here you go. This is the rapid fire. I don't expect you to remember this exactly, but you can, for people, you can take a screenshot of it. And if you want to learn how to learn more, this is a good map to start with. Number one, you need communication, especially when your relationship's going through changes. You need to be able to communicate in a way that you both feel heard, understood, and valued. You can enter each other's worlds. And communication is one of our earliest tools. And one of the reasons we have that tool is to learn how to meet needs. And that's the second thing. Do your needs feel adored? Because here's the simple thing. If you want your partner to feel precious, their needs need to be precious to you. 
because that's part of who they are. And it, it's almost like saying, I really love you, but I want you to starve outside in the rain. Like, wait a second, those two don't go together. Either my need for food and safety and security and love and connection and intimacy, either my needs are important or they're not. And if my needs aren't important, I'm not important. And so few women have ever had a man come and say, honey, your needs are precious to me. Tell me about your needs. Tell me more. So that's a critical skill level in there, being able to notice, name, and negotiate your needs and to know what your partner's needs are. Yeah, next I was going to say, because it's not like I know my own needs half the time, because we're not really taught to identify them and validate them, even if we identify them. You know, I want mm-hmm. to go on holiday more. I want a bit more freedom or I want to be just taken out and pampered. We don't necessarily voice that. Even in our heads, we don't necessarily voice that as being available to us. Right. And actually, what I want to do is a distinction is to tell you that there's a huge difference between strategies and needs. So going on a vacation is a strategy. Right. And the need might be the need for connection, for fun, for freedom, for play, for intimacy. So it's like getting clear, don't let go of your needs, hold tightly to your needs and become very flexible with your strategies. That makes sense. And normally we have that ass backwards. We hang tight to our strategy and let go of our needs. Yeah, we do. Because if I think about going on holiday, I like change. I like to find new places. I like to do things and experience different things. That's the need that I want in that. I don't actually like, regardless of the fact that, you know, my husband used to drive me insane for wanting to do things on the spur of the moment, but I was caught up in the having to do things at a certain time. And I do like change. So I made everybody move house fairly regularly. That was my change. Yeah. And see, the thing is, we could say we want to go on vacation together. This is my ex-wife and me go to Hawaii. Well, if we don't know what the need is, we both say vacation. Yeah, we're going to meet our need for vacation. She wants to go to the beach and read a book. I want to go walk on hot coals with Tony Robbins and jump off of a pole and like go to workshops. And so I have a strong need for variety and she has a strong need for calm. And so even though we said vacation was a strategy, it would create lots of, and we move down to the next one, conflicts. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And and see, this is the thing is most people have not been trained on how to deal with conflicts and how to deal with needs. I literally, I work with couples from around the world. I've got clients that are rocket scientists. I have a client that's a jet pilot, like a passenger jet pilot for one of the biggest jets there is a 777. You're talking about flying over 500,000 pounds of metal through the air, 300 and some patients. 300 and some passengers and trained to do some of the most intense skills. That's like a very highly trained human being. And he was never trained though on how to get his needs met in his relationship, how to handle conflicts that bring you closer rather than drive you apart. 
And that's critical. And in my family, conflict meant danger. So I have a real fear and I would collapse around conflict rather than lean in and become curious. And the thing about conflicts that's so incredibly important is if you can think about the last time that you were upset about something, underneath that upset, if it was a really big upset, it was a really precious need you were trying to get met that wasn't getting met. So around every upset, you know, and you were talking about some family stuff earlier, around that upset with one of your family members, somebody's precious need was not getting met. And it's a really, it's a great indicator. And if you can lean in and be curious, you can go, oh, honey, tell me more. Oh, that's that precious need for safety and connection. And you want to know, you want your need for certainty. So there's conflicts. There's a couple more here. And hopefully it's all is making sense. This great. I'm enjoying myself here. You keep going. This is great. All right. <laughs> Wounds. If, you're, if you've been in a relationship more than a week or you've been in more than one relationship, You've gotten wounds. To me, opening your heart up is one of the most courageous things you'll ever do. And then I heard a mother describe this as far as parenting goes. And she said, when my baby was born, it's like I took my heart out of my chest and put two little legs on it and let it walk away. And it was like the scariest, most amazing experience because I couldn't protect it 24-7. And so we are incredibly vulnerable and we will get wounded. We will have, there'll be betrayals, there'll be lies, there'll be, even if there's not a, a betrayal and a lie, we'll have misunderstandings, we'll take things personally. So it's critical. We either can get bitter or we can get better. We're all going to get wounded. That's part of the territory. I talked to one person once and she asked what I did. And I said, I'm a relationship and couples coach. And she laughed and just like that kind of uncomfortable, it tapped a nerve and, and it felt like for in inappropriate, whatever that word means, a long period. And finally, when she's done, I'm like, tell me more. So, oh, I got my heart broken so bad in a relationship. I have not been in a relationship for 25 years. For 25 years. That is heartbreaking to me. What did she do? She got bitter and she shut down. There is a great quote out there that says, ships are safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships are for. You said earlier that you have pets, cats, and anybody who's a pet owner, uh, good news, bad news. Most likely the pets are going to pass away before you do. And does that mean you shouldn't get pets? No, no, it's, they'll bring you lots of joy. I know I've had so many pets in my life and so much love and joy and there's heartbreak. You cannot protect yourself from heartbreak relationships, so much joy, so much power, passion, and somebody dies or somebody leaves. What are you going to do with your time together? Are you going to spend it fighting in conflict, making each other miserable? Or are you going to heal your wounds, clean up your conflicts, 
and make each other feel precious, adored, that choosing you was the best choice they could ever make on the planet, that this journey is a grand-ass adventure. So there you go. Next one, trust. Trust is broken and or built. And a lot of times we're going to break trust. We're going to break our agreements. You know, even even when you described your husband, like not waiting till the last minute at some levels, that's a little bit of a broken trust because you were trusting him even unconsciously without saying it to do your schedule. Yep. Yep. And then all of a sudden it's a new schedule and it feels like a broken agreement. Yeah, it does. And the important thing is agreements don't have to be verbal to be agreements. If I went to my um, beloved's purse and started rummaging through the purse and taking money and checking everything out and she comes and gets upset with me, I go, well, we don't have an agreement that I can't do that. We don't have a verbal agreement, but there is some unconscious agreements and those unconscious agreements are pretty important in a relationship unless you consciously say i'm in an open marriage it's not an open marriage you're not supposed to sleep with your neighbors whatever it is <laughs> that will destroy some of the trust yeah intimacy and by the way as we work down if we handle communication get our needs met resolve conflicts deal with our wounds, it builds an incredible amount of trust and creates intimacy. Intimacy and trust are the byproduct of handling the other areas. And there are three different types of intimacy. There is emotional, physical, sexual intimacy. And as we mature in age, the driving force that used to get us like jumping into bed with each other, isn't nearly as strong for some of us. And so you have to make almost a conscious date to keep physical sexual intimacy alive rather than just let it go. Because one of my mentors, a woman, Alison Armstrong, said that, that sex is not the icing on the cake. It's part of the cake. And it's like looking at what is the cake in your relationship and then what is the icing. So in relationship, is intimacy avoided or is it embraced? Does it bring you closer or does it make you just feel uncomfortable? And when I work with couples, we'll look over the list and I do a survey with them in advance. So they answer about 40 questions and I can tell where they are on skill level in all of these seven areas and what's going on in their relationship. So the last one, dealing with differences, difficulties, and decisions. I just put differences there, but differences, difficulties, decisions. And the time that you've been together, you've got to make it, you've got to decide how decisions are going to be made. Who's spending the money? Who's making the money? Who's deciding where to live? Who's you know, how are we going to be with the kids? Are we going to let the kids divide and conquer? Or are we going to have a unified front? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you know that territory. Yeah, we know that really well. We decided early on. John just said, whatever you say, I'll back you up. All right, excellent. Yeah, because otherwise, it, it, we, it, the 
the kids can weaponize the parents against each other. Or if going through a divorce, if people go through a divorce, my first rule, if I'm going to work with them, is they can't weaponize the kids. You don't make the other partner the enemy. Even if they broke your heart a little bit, because it's still the kid's parents. So that, well, let me go. Let me just ask you, when you looked that list over, what resonated with you? Did you see anything that kind of stood out and went, wow. The, the one that really stood out for me was the trust thing, because I've realized about five years ago that I had a few trust issues with John. The big one being the fact that when we'd had the first two kids, he was supposed to go and get the snip and he didn't. And a bottle of wine, two separate nights, four years apart, and I got pregnant both times. So there was a real broken trust there. And I'm glad I had the girls, but that didn't change the fact that I couldn't trust him to be his word because he kept putting off going getting the snip and he went just this once we'll be fine no I got pregnant both times so that was a big breach of trust for me and it moved over into lots of other areas as well and I realized I've realized over the last four years in particular how much I'm projecting that lack of trust oh I can't trust you to do the right to bring us in money when you're supposed to I can't trust you to take the rubbish out when you're supposed to I can't trust you to do the gardening when it needs to and yeah and then I thought hang on I'm projecting the guy's doing all that I'm just looking for reasons to not trust him you know and then the others all kind of fell into place once I I spoke about the, um, what was it you said, the agreements. I spoke about the agreements and what agreements were expected and we started communicating. And I also started bringing laughter into it. So when I go to him, right, okay, because we're property developers, so we don't have a regular stream of income. We get money as and when we need it and it's up, down and all over the place. So I'll say to John, okay, it's that time of the month when I need to pay bills and he'll slam his pen down and he'll go oh, for goodness sake what's you spent the money on and instead of getting really angry like I would have done I just laugh at him and go I don't know where have you been <laughs> <laughs> it just creates a whole different atmosphere yeah and you brought up trust I, I'll touch one last thing on it and, and I'm going to slowly start wrapping it all up here but there's two types of trust there's a trust of my partner and the other one which is even more important but almost never talked about is do I trust myself in a relationship with you will I give up on my needs will I break my agreements with myself will I respect my boundaries with you and that enters that opens up the whole Pandora's box to codependence and all the rest of it is I become untrustworthy in a relationship with you because I make you, whoever that is, more important than my agreements with myself. And I have been there, done that. I'm not pointing fingers. I have, I've been in relationships where I broke my agreements with myself and they, those were the most painful ones. So this all fits together. Heart set, skill set. We dove deep into skill set. The last thing I'm going to say is the mindset, which is your ROS, your relationship operating system. That's the, like in a computer, that's the invisible part of the computer that runs the show. And the part that runs your show is your habits, patterns, beliefs, 
and they are all invisible and unconscious and they are either sabotaging you or supporting you. And it's really important to be able to identify them so that you can clean them up. You know, some, some people will well, you just had it right there. I love my husband. I don't trust him. You know, when you talked about back in that whole area and it's like, those are like two totally equal opposite things that are creating. It's like driving around with a foot on the gas and a foot on the brakes and not even knowing it. Like you're just smelling smoke and you're going, what's the problem here? How come? And luckily you're more aware and have done enough work that you could identify it, clear it up, tie it into those issues and then talk about it. So it's, and and the other thing, (laughs) Oh, it does take a lot. The the last thing I'll just touch on is the patterns. And there's something called attachment theory. And I don't know if you've heard much about it, but it's a very, it's like, what do we do when we get triggered? And so we can either retreat to the cave or we can need to to calm the, the relationship down. So you have an argument with your partner and one of my clients, this couple She's pregnant right now, about four or five months pregnant, and this is his first and her fourth, and they got in upset, and he wanted to go to the man cave because he doesn't know about a lot of this stuff, and so he wanted to go hide in the man cave till he could calm his nervous system down, and she literally chased him out into the snow in Vermont naked because she wanted to make sure she wasn't going to be abandoned. So one pattern is the attachment pattern. The other is the avoiding pattern. So we're pursuant, we're chasing it down. And that my nervous system doesn't calm down until you and I are in good shape. Then I can calm myself down. That's the pursuant. That's the attached. And then the other one, the avoidant, I need to go be by myself for a while. And when I calm down here, then I can come be with you. Now, it makes sense when I describe it, but it is crazy making because a lot of times a, a pursuant and an avoidant will get in a relationship together. And it's like hell until they figure out how to work with it. So I've given you sort of an overview. And I work with couples all around the world. If they want to get a hold of me, we can see if it's a fit. And I'd love to know what you got from today and what do you think, what's opened up for you, I guess. For me, it's it's actually identifying the needs. That was like, oh, okay. That could be, well, it is a missing um, because there's a lot of assumptions and unspoken agreements in those needs, but have we actually sat down and identified them and communicated them? I don't think so at all. Well, I mean, we've been together 30 years, so we kind of know it, but it's not, it's, it's, it's unconscious. Unspoken. Yeah. It's unspoken. Yep. And we could dive into it at a different time. These are the top 10 needs here so that people can see it. And I wish this slide didn't have these in front, but certainty and trust, uncertainty and variety. So there those two equal and opposite. I need to feel significance, priority, love and connection, growth, contribution, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy and attraction. Those are 
like 10 very critical needs. And then what you do to find out who you are, you figure out which one for this phase of your life is most important to you. Which one's second, which one's third. All right. Then you find out what is your husband's, which is his first, second, and third. And then what are some strategies you can use to meet those precious needs? So that gives you that basic understanding. Wow. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I must survived as well. I'm still in one piece. <laughs> well, I think, see, I think the important thing is a lot of like relationship work is sort of woo woo. And, you know, people come and say, here, we have a problem. And then what are you going to do to fix it? But they don't see the map. They don't go, oh, and this is especially because I speak dude. I can speak to guys. I work with engineers. I work with scientists. I work with people who need to see the logic and the reason and how this whole thing works. And when they see a diagram, they go, oh, my God, I had no idea. So if they want to get a hold of me, should I give the like a little? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it, please. Okay. So here's the thing. If you love each other and you're struggling to get along, you might just need a breakthrough. If the harder you try to communicate, the worse things get, you might just need a breakthrough. If you want to transform your relationship, but you don't know how, you might just need a breakthrough. So what I do is I do a breakthrough 45 minutes. And if they go to the book, argue less, love more.net. Dot net forward slash clarity, they can get a, a breakthrough session. So put that in there, argue less, love more dot net forward slash clarity. And a breakthrough session is we we find out where you are, where you want to go, what tools do you need, what's your plans so that you can do it, and then see if I'm a get to work with you. Because the question that we don't often ask ourselves is number one, it's either is this relationship worth saving? Or is this problem worth solving? Because they don't come to me and go, relationships off the charts, great. We want to just make it better. I mean, that's good. I'd love that. And occasionally that happens. But normally it's like we're in deep trouble and we're in crisis or conflict. And if we don't do something soon, it's over. So let's do that. We'll look at where you are, where you want to go, what we can do about it and answer those questions. Is this relationship worth saving or is this problem worth solving? Am I willing to do what it takes to save it or solve it? And then do I want help? The thing is, we think we're going to solve some of the most difficult challenges in the world with no help. Like, it's just not. Yes, we do. We got to be good enough, right? Right. You know, it's my ego here. No, I'm going to do it by myself. I'm going to spend 20 years doing this and try to figure it out. So there you go. Get a hold of me. Get the book, Argue Less, Love More. It's It was a bestseller on Amazon. And I have a YouTube video about sacred sexuality and intimacy because that's another form of communication. The physical, I mean, sexual intimacy has been seen 6,100,000 times on YouTube. Yeah, it blows my mind. I'm like, six million. how many people is 6 million people watching a video that I created? I'm like, I had, wow. And that's uh, an interesting seven minutes. It's PG, it's 
It's not like there's no nudity or anything, but it's really about how do you connect to another human being so there's no more boredom in the bedroom. So, Karen, thank you. Awesome work that you do. I so appreciate it. Any last question before I go bounce and go get dinner? (laughs) The only thing I wanted to ask you was you did say the other day that if I can get 20 to 30 people together, we could run a workshop, a four-hour workshop. Just tell me about that because I'm going to put it out there to everybody. So I want you to explain it and then we can take it from there. Okay. What we would do in that four hours is give some, we, we would go through the seven skills. You'd start to look at it and you'd start to identify what are your needs because most people don't know how to notice, name, and negotiate needs. So they're set up to fail in a relationship, not set up to succeed. And then you'll identify your some of your habits, patterns, and beliefs and look at where your beliefs are getting in the way and sabotaging your possibilities for success. And at the end of it, you'll walk away with a sort of in-depth sort of plan. And if people want to, they can take their plan and totally transform their relationship. Or if enough people say, yes, we could do a 90-day program where once a week we get back together and they take it to the next level. So it's like going to the gym and working out. So the four hours is sort of like getting a tour of the gym so that you understand all the different tools that are out there, what's possible, and you get to experience relationships as a whole different way. Because if you want a remarkable relationship, you need remarkable relationship skills. You know, the the closing quote, it's like Esther Perel meets Tony Robbins meets Paul Sterling. The quality of your your life depends on the quality of your relationships. I think that was Esther Perel. The quality of your relationships depends on the quality of your communication. That was Tony Robbins. You change the way you communicate. You can change your relationship with anybody, including yourself. That's me. In this four hours, we teach people how to change the way they communicate with themselves and with others. And then we continue to practice that over our time together. All right. Thank you so much. So, guys, if you're interested in that, let me know. I'll put a link up and then we'll organize that with Paul. Thank you so much. I had the best time. It was amazing. Thank you. And thank you for the work that you do. It's so critical that people get love and support and compassion going through the transformations of life. Yeah, it is. It is. And celebrate things. Celebrate who we are. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks. Ciao. See you. Take care. Head on over to the website for more information about this episode and more information about my guests. And don't forget to subscribe. We'll love you forever. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next week. Bye.